Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at maintaining the balance between a life of active service and taking time to spend just sitting and learning from the Lord. We're going to look at this section from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, and reflect on our own tendencies, our own natural inclinations, if you like, and consider how we may strike the right balance between being a Mary or a Martha. I wonder which you are. So thanks for being with me today. If you're here for the first time, do hang around at the end, or I'll tell you lots of ways you can get additional free resources related to this podcast and its ministry. Great to have you with me. Bye-bye for now. Okay, today, friends, we're going to look at a tale about two ladies, two sisters. They have much in common. They're sisters, obviously. They have the same set of parents. They grew up in the same town, and they probably had similar experiences growing up, like many sisters would. They're alike in many ways, but they're also, well, as this passage will reveal, radically different in some ways. Now, the reason that this story is about two sisters is important because it contrasts them for us and it asks us to question are we a little bit like one of them or other of them or is there a little bit of both of them in all of us so what i'd like us to do tonight is take you through this journey of this little vignette in the lives of these two ladies and to do that i'd invite your attention to luke chapter 10 and i'll begin by reading the whole passage for you Luke 10, 38-42, which tells us this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord replied, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now what's happened as they enter this certain village town, Luke doesn't identify the place here, but information and other accounts gathered elsewhere in the New Testament indicate that the town here in this case is that of Bethany, which is where Martha and Mary are from. And because it's declared to be Martha's house, it places it at Bethany. So this is their hometown. Now Bethany is just two miles north of the outskirts of Jerusalem. The other thing that people have gathered from this is they believe that Martha is actually the oldest and probably the mistress of the house. If you look again at verse 38, it says Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. So this is no doubt her house or it's her responsibility. Now they could have both been in the house because they're sisters or maybe they lived apart and uh, Mary just came over to help on occasion. But the little phrase used here very clearly indicates that Martha is the one, the mistress in charge of this house, and any arrangements that need to be taken care of, well, they kind of fall upon her, they're her responsibility. 
But then Luke tells us in verse 39 that she has this sister called Mary who is also there, but she sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he says. So the setting is very simple, straightforward, isn't it? Two ladies, sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha, she's the mistress of the house, house and Mary is her sister, and she's over at her sister's house listening to what Jesus is teaching. Now, what's going on is explained in verse 40, the beginnings of the upset, if you like, where it says, Martha was distracted with much serving, which has to do, of course, with the serving of food. So here's the setting. Martha's in the kitchen, preparing all this food, serving it. And Mary, at this point, is just sitting on a footstool listening to Jesus teach. Now, apparently, Martha had been in the kitchen earlier. If you read the story quickly, that's not very apparent. But if you look at it carefully, that seems to be suggested what's going on here. For example, in verse 40, it says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? Now, that seems to imply to me and to others, obviously, that Mary and Martha were initially working in the kitchen together. And then at some point, Mary left to go and sit at Jesus' feet. At any rate, that's the setup of the story. Martha in the kitchen, working hard, trying to do a hundred things. Mary is now in the other room. Martha's back in the kitchen preparing the food, and Mary has left the kitchen now and is sitting at Jesus' feet listening to what he says. So Martha, she's a bit frazzled. She's distracted. She feels she's got lots to do, and she approaches Jesus and she says, Lord, now listen carefully what she says. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. So obviously, Martha is a little agitated at this point. In fact, some translation use the term disturbed, which is quite a severe term. But if she was disturbed, distressed, in what sense is that so? Well, the key phrase, the key clue is given us when it says she was distracted with much serving. This seems to indicate to many Bible experts that what she was preparing was an extremely lavish, elaborate kind of meal. Maybe that has to do with the fact that because the apostles were also there, there were probably a lot of people to serve that day. And many take it that she was preparing a lot of food. But in fact, she was probably preparing food over and above, which would normally have been thought the sort of the correct level of hospitality. So she approaches the Lord and says this interesting thing. Her initial interaction is, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? Therefore, tell her to help me work. So she's disturbed, distressed, and she's distressed because she's been left alone and she's got all this work to do, work that she has decided needed to be done at the level that it's being done, and she's now getting disturbed, distressed by the fact that her sister's not helping anymore. Now, let me tell you that there are people in every congregation who do too much serving. Now, those people are incredibly special people. And if you're one of them, well, I would just have to say the church cannot exist without people like you. Some say that 20% of the people in in any church and carry 80% of the workload. The church, the body of Christ, would be in a great deal of trouble if it wasn't for people like that. And if you're one of those people, if it wasn't for people like you. But on the other side of the coin, there is an occupational hazard, if you like, if you're wired that way, if you're that kind of person. 
I've seen it happen over and over again. They push themselves, they become workhorses, they do all the work, and in the process, they get distressed, they get stressed, they get agitated. And the standard criticism when people get to that point is very simply, and as a pastor, people came to me and would say, no one's helping me. And that happens quite a lot. And that, I think, is what's going on here. She's got an attitude, but her attitude appears, rises up in a, in, in a form where she's crossed with her sister because her sister isn't doing what she wants her to do and what she believes needs done. Now, of course, she feels the responsibility of doing this and providing this way, so we've got to be sympathetic. But if I'm correct in assessing that the sister had been in the kitchen and left then at some level she must have felt the job's done. So there is at least a suggestion here that Martha was over-preparing. And I'm not alone in taking this perspective. Many Bible ex experts have suggested over the years that that's what's going on here. So what she's coming to Jesus and doing, she's saying in essence, Mary, I need you to do what I'm doing. And isn't that exactly the way some people in this sort of situation still respond today? They often judge other people, but not by an objective biblical standard. They judge them on what they have determined needed to be done. They aren't doing it like I'm doing it. They're not doing as much as I'm doing it. They're not doing it in the way I'm doing it. And because of that, it can create stress, agitation, maybe even conflict with other people. And it gets to the point where she has a problem with her sister. But she, in fact, if you look at it closely, she even goes beyond that. Look at what she says to the Lord. She actually says, do you not care? So she's not only complaining about her sister, she's complaining about the Lord and saying, don't you care about this? That's quite an indictment, isn't it? She's left me, but now she doesn't go, just go and complain about the Lord. She goes to the Lord and says, I want you to tell her to come and help me. So she's thinking of her sister, no doubt, as being selfish. And she's thinking perhaps even the Lord has shown favoritism to the sister and actually not actually appreciating all she's doing. So she's clearly under pressure here, but it's, it's, when the pressure's been pushed down, it's been popping up with this sort of critical attitude. There's a real human truth here, isn't there? The simple truth is that the picture here painted by Luke is the fact that this is a distracted, distressed woman, overworked. But another way of simply looking at that is she's too busy. She's allowed herself to be too busy doing stuff to miss the point that the stuff that she's meant to be doing is to enable what Jesus is doing and enable people, other people, to benefit from what Jesus is doing. And that's the point here which is why I believe Jesus responds in verse 41 and says, Martha, Martha. Now, I'm saying that out loud for you because there's a repetition there. It's obvious, it's clear in the text, and that is no, without question to indicate that the way he's speaking to her is in a sense with a feeling of affection. Martha, Martha, my dear Martha, he says to her, in tender tones, definitely, you are worried and troubled about many things. Now, I just want to focus on this phrase, you are worried and you are troubled, but by many things. Now, we know that throughout the scriptures, we're told not to worry. 
If you're looking for references for that, you'll discover it everywhere. In fact, Jesus warns us about the emotion of worry more than anything else. And quite rightly so. Don't we today see an epidemic of worry with people, many people struggling with anxiety and depression? As a matter of fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, which we've covered at great length, both here and back in Matthew's uh, and Mark's account of it, we focused for quite a few days on that passage about not worrying about your life, not worrying about what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll put on and what you'll take off. The fullness of your life, your spiritual life, is not about your body and it's much more than about clothing and food and eating. So Jesus spent a great deal of time teaching us not to worry about these very such things. In fact, he mentions specifically food and clothing in the Sermon on the Mount. And he asks the question, why worry about these things if you can't add one cubit to your stature? I mean, it's like worrying literally about your height. And I know I have a friend who's sort of somewhat diminished in stature, shall we say, and he's spent his whole life, he's the same age as me, worrying about the fact that he's he, he's so small, and yet he's worrying about something that in reality he's never going to be able to change. He can't add one inch to his height. So anyway, Jesus says, you're worrying about things that aren't important, and you're worrying about things like this will not do you any good. I wonder if you, like me, have ever worried about things that in effect, in reality, then didn't turn out to happen, didn't turn out to be the case. Isn't that just the perfect definition of a literal waste of time? Hear me and hear we well. Paul writes in the New Testament, be anxious about nothing. That's the same Greek word that's used here to describe worry in terms of what Martha's feeling and what Jesus trans uh, talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. They're all translated the same way. Paul in his writing says, be anxious, do not worry about anything. And the question is, how then? How do we pull this off? Well, he answers it by saying, in everything, by prayer and with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made known to the Lord. So the Lord may not always answer the question in the way we want. He may not deal with the worry in the sense of taking the issue away. But if what you're asking is in the will of God, then the passage, this and many other passages, promise that God will do what? He'll guard our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. In other words, he will deal with the core issue of worry and anxiety. And that's the key thing, not the events themselves. Our thoughts are not the things. Our thoughts are just our thoughts. So Jesus says to Martha, let's be clear. She's the one with anxiety. She's the one running around here. So she comes to Jesus and her response to her worry, to her anxiety, is to blame her sister for this whole situation. She even sort of indirectly blames the Lord for not helping deal with the issue. But here's the key point, as she sees it. And here's what Jesus says. Look, he says, you are worried and troubled about many things. What are the many things? The meal, all the people to serve, and probably a few other things because she's probably a bit of a natural worrier anyway. But he says to her, the one thing that is needed, now this is the pivotal point in the message, this is crucial, the one thing, there is only one thing that you need to worry about. Now he's pointed out that she's worried about many things and he's saying, you know, look, really, 
Martha, there should only be one thing you're worried about. Now, when it comes to asking the question, what is the one thing Jesus is talking about? Well, there are two different theories out there, two main school of thoughts. One is saying that one thing needed means that you're preparing too much food, that it's just simply about the amount of food and the amount of dishes being offered here. In other words, he's saying, I never asked for a big spread. This is meant to just be a gathering for teaching and sharing together, and you're turning it into something else with this massive meal. It's an interesting spin on it, and I accept that that's not the normal way it's read, but I do think there's some merit in taking that, at least as part of the interpretation and meaning behind it. And that's definitely, I believe, part of what's going on here, in that Martha is all wrapped up with getting all this done. She doesn't appreciate it, but all of those things is not the one thing that she should be worrying about. Now, the other interpretation is no doubt the most common, and it's saying the fact that you need, the one thing that you need to be worrying about is not all that stiff, but your spiritual nourishment, the spiritual exercise of spending time and communing with the Lord. So Jesus is telling Martha that the one simple thing that Mary has chosen to do, which is irritating her, is actually the more important thing. And it's this one thing that Martha should have chosen to do also. The implication being that Mary should listen more and labor just a little bit less. The good thing that Mary would not lose is the blessing that would come to her and to those in her orbit by paying, by simply doing that one thing of paying attention to the teachings of Jesus. So there's a lesson here in the priorities of life. Martha and all of Jesus' disciples here understand that there's got to be a balance between a, a contemplative life and a life of action and Christian activity. So if you give attention to the words that Jesus is saying here, he's saying don't miss the primarily important thing. There's a better way, the best way to serve him is to serve him by listening to what he says and to by thereby doing it. To be active in Christian works, but only in the understanding that by doing that, you don't end up neglecting the word of God. Now, that's the most common interpretation of that, and I wholeheartedly agree with it. But if I may humbly make the suggestion, I think both of those perspectives actually apply in this passage. I think what Jesus is really saying here is, Martha, what you're doing is great, but you're doing too much. Only one thing now of the many things that we could be doing is the thing that is really necessary and you're doing too much of the other stuff. And he says to Mary in verse 42, or says about Mary in verse 42, she has now chosen to do the good part. It's not that it's better, it's good in the sense that it's good for her and you too should do both, just as, as I mentioned earlier. Now, I think it's very possible that Mary was in the kitchen. She'd done her part in the preparation. And Jesus is saying that she now chose, having done that, to do something else. And that new thing was good. In fact, it was the best thing. And that Martha, in fact, ought to be learning from Mary. Now, I'm not going to say to her, go and help your sister. Because Martha is, in fact, doing too much. Jesus recognizes that. She in this situation, well, she, the lesson she needs to learn as life is not to do so much. She's overthinking, she's overdoing things. So 
Martha simply needs to settle down and take some time to make the point to set things aside and do what Mary's doing here. And what Mary's doing is simply listening, and I would assume learning, from the Lord. Don't get me wrong, it's good to serve, absolutely. But along with that, you must also take time to listen and to learn. Okay, let me sum this up as simply as I can. I think Jesus here corrects Martha, not for doing the work, but for being too busy to the point where she prioritized that over simply being with him, spending time in his company, learning and listening. And the message we need to get out of this, if we're too busy in our Christian lives to actually listen and to learn, well, the plain fact is you are too busy. If you're too busy to just calm down, sit down, take time and listen, Listen to what the scripture says, meditate on the word, meditate, spend time with prayer in the Lord. If you're too busy to do those things, then you're too busy. And if you're too busy, that could be anything. It could be work. It could be something simply like housework. But also, listen, friends, it could be you're too busy in the ministry. You're too busy. You're too active in the stuff, in doing stuff in the Christian life. There are some people in churches, there are many people in churches in my estimation, who are way too busy. And I'm not just talking about pastors and ministers here. Now, don't get me wrong, both learning and serving are necessary. Sitting before the Lord and serving the Lord are both, of course, necessary. The issue in this story is not pitting one up against the other. It's not serving versus learning. I sometimes think this passage gets preached this way, and that's unfortunately uh, unfortunately, the case, but that's not, I think, the core message here. I actually think Mar Mary and Martha represent two equally legitimate aspects of the Christian life. Devotion to the Lord, learning from the Lord on the one hand, and activity for the Lord on the other. It's not that one is good and the other is bad. Both are necessary. Both have their place. Both must be balanced. The right balance is between the life of quiet worship in the spirit and truth and the practice of active service. Religious people can tend to lapse into either excessive aspects of those things, which can lead to a sort of contemplative withdrawing from society, a dry outward form of religion, or it can just lead to them endless activity, a life of practical service, where the activity becomes the main thing. My observation is that people from both sides can get unhealthily wrapped up in both perspectives. And I'm saying that in reality, we need both. Mary and Martha are often contrasted, but I believe that's good, but we have to be careful. We're not recognized. We're not being called to make a choice here. We're not being called to be a worker like Martha or a worshiper like Mary. The Christian life is not one of either or. Lord wants us to imitate Mary in our worship and imitate Martha in our work. And as uh, I think it was, oh, I've forgotten who said it, but I remember I heard a message where someone said, blessed are the balanced. What a great way to sum that up. Here's the problem, though. We recognize this is true. We recognize this perspective is true. But we also need to recognize that all of us individually, naturally, tend to be bent one way or other towards one of these perspectives. And that's a problem. 
That's a problem in the real world because it can lead to a clash of temperaments. You see some people are naturally dynamic, dynamos of activity, and other people are naturally quiet and more contemplative. It's hard for an active person to understand the person who just, in their view, sits in a corner and meditates, and the other person who is devoted to quiet time and meditation and really attempting to get to know the Lord, they can tend to look down on that person who would rather be active and doing stuff all the time. And I want to say we need to be careful, friends, because this is not saying there's a right and a wrong way. It's saying there's a wrong way if you're out of balance, the right way is to have the correct balance. God doesn't make everybody alike, and he needs all of us. The church, the community of Christian believers needs all of us, and he asks us to be honest to ourselves, to how he's created us, but he also asks us not to judge other people who approach things differently to us. So here's my suggestion. If you're the type who likes to sit and read and meditate and contemplate, that's fine. Just make sure that that's not all you're doing. Make sure it has an outworking practically in your life. And if you're the kind who would rather work and do something than read or study, that's fine too. Just make sure you spend some time regularly with the Lord. Not just reading the Bible, but learning what you have read. Spending time studying the Word. Now, you can do that if you attend a good Bible-believing church which teaches from the Bible, and you can do that even in, in, in your own private time or even by committing to follow a program a little bit like this Bible project to work through the entire Bible. As long as you make sure you, you allow both perspectives into your life, then that's what God's looking here. Now, I want to close by talking about the big point of the passage that being that serving should not be overdone to the point where spending time learning from the Lord is neglected. That's the big warning being addressed in this passage. The other side of the coin is represented in other passages elsewhere, but that's what's being focused on here, so that's what we should focus on as we close. The point of this passage is not that Martha is doing stuff, it is that Martha is overdoing stuff. So that's telling us that serving should not ever be done to the point where by doing it, we're neglecting the other part perspective. We're neglecting that time spent in the Lord's company. To say the same thing another way, we must never be so busy that we are in a position where we're not learning from the Lord. Service for the Lord should never get to the point where it becomes agitated or we become anxious. We must not get to the point where we see our fellow Christians or get irritated with them, or even, my word, she got irritated with the Lord himself. We should not busy ourselves to such an extent that the outward things become the priority and the inward things like quiet worship and time with the Lord get neglected. I hope that makes sense. So the question is, probably we all need to ask, are you more of a Martha? Or are you more of a Mary? And whichever you are, you probably need to be a little bit more like the other. I think all of us can figure out when looking at this passage that in fact what the Lord's saying is that we all have a little bit of both of them in us and we all need to recognize that where we neglect one, we need a little bit of the other. 
To sum this message up in one sentence, I would say that the core of this message is if you really understand that what you're doing when you're working for the Lord is for the Lord, then please make sure you take time to regularly stop to learn from the Lord you're supposed to be doing these things for. I do hope you find that helpful. You know, in this Christian journey, this interplay between Mary and Martha is a call to simply help us navigate the path of discipleship and service that God has called us to, to hold and maintain a wisdom and balance in how we do it. I trust that you find inspiration and incitement from these characters in this story and that you can learn to either encourage you to more active service or more to spend time in contemplative learning and prayer time and worship time with the Lord. I hope that you're able to live a life more in balance, more in harmony, more attuned to how we're really meant to serve the Lord and learn from him in this life as a believer. Thanks for being with me today. What a privilege it is to be here today. So thankful. I learn everything I prepare one of these studies for you. I hope you're learning something too. If you are enjoying it, appreciating them, then a like and a share is really appreciated. I'd just like to thank each and every one of you who have taken the time in any way to, uh, to sort of make this, what I'm doing here, known to others. I'm so blessed that this is reaching so many people in so many countries and I'm thankful for you, for you as listeners, as watchers, for enabling this to become a very real thing in the world. So thanks for that. Can I remind you that if you're here, that, if you're here, that a like or a share is always appreciated because that's the way more people hear about us. And can I also say that if you're here for the first time, then why not consider subscribing? Why not consider joining us on this journey with me through the whole Bible? And let's see where it takes us and what we can learn together. And if you do that, you can do that by simply subscribing to where you get your podcast from. You can also, I want you to be aware that I create an extensive episode notes page for every episode and an actual transcript of everything I say. And those are available for every single episode, over 700 of them now. And they're free, free for you to take and use, freely available in whatever way helps you and your ministry or in the wider ministry that you're involved in. The place the podcast is hosted is the Bible Project at buzzsprout.com. So if you're not seeing the links to access those sorts of resources where you get your podcast from, just visit us there and you'll find them there, along with links to the socials and YouTube channel and even a place where you can partner and support this ministry if you like, thereby ensuring it, it remains free as I attempt to, to spread it more widely and more and more platforms. But that's it for today. It's great to have you with you. I do hope I'll see you back here again tomorrow or whatever day it works for you at whatever pace works for you as together we go through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Bye-bye for now.